welcome back to Pop Culture Yearbook once again. On this show, we pick pieces of pop culture that were important to us in a given year. We then discuss memories and dig into those movies, albums, shows, and more. This is 1989, the final chapter. I am Brad. I'm Pete. And I'm Giff. And tonight we are going to discuss our bonus choice, which is the movie Heathers from 1989. So, uh, Pete, do you want to start off with some info you might have about Heathers? Because you're always good at finding fun facts. Well, I mean, I'll just start off with what I kind of thought about the movie. I absolutely love this movie. I remember seeing it when uh, when it was on HBO or Showtime or whatever it was back in, um, you know, in 1990. Uh, when we first got cable, um, it was on all the time. I, I I remember watching it more than once, but I don't remember the movie that well, or I didn't a- until I rewatched it again. And um, I thought it was just a lot of fun. The way that it kicks off with um, the croquet scene and the use of Sera Sera as sort of the theme song, um, uh, that was a lot of fun. The one-liners stood out to me that uh, like the totally the totally valley girl talk kind of like, Oh, how very, mm-hmm. <laughs> and what's your damage. So did um, you know, did you find in your research that uh, a lot of that slang was written for this movie because they didn't it, want yeah. it to get stuck in time and be dated. And so they made up their own lingo for this movie that could just be from whatever that wasn't like stuck in like 1985 or whatever. It seemed like it was pretty cleverly done, and it so seemed like, like it what's your damage? Can we jam? It'll be very the famous line: "F me gently with a chainsaw." <laughs> with, a, yeah. with a crowbar, wasn't it? No, no with a chainsaw. chainsaw. Oh, I thought there was um, okay. So these are things they put in, like because they wanted it to be this more of a, like a timeless feel to it. Um, did you notice the shoulder pads on the first Heather? Yes. Oh, yeah. It looked like she was a linebacker. <laughs> right. That's a little uh, dated, maybe. Yeah. yeah well, the fashion I, I, was definitely dated. Yeah, but I think that was deliberately done. I mean, the expanded shoulder pads or the or the uh, exaggerated shoulder pads just to make her stand out more. And, um, oh, were hers uh, bigger know, or different make... than the others? It yeah, seemed like hers yeah. were a little okay. more pointed. Well, then I think you probably right. caught onto something there. And they were just like so exaggerated. I thought that it was like it had to be intentionally done to make her like stand out as being like the power girl. I thought that the the movie was like the ultimate dark comedy, right? Um, I, I, I don't know if the movie would get made today just because it sort of glorifies suicide. Right. Um, and uh, I, I think if a movie came out today, it would just be like so controversial. Everybody would be in an uproar over it. Well, I but, think it was actually a little controversial even then. But that's the thing. So, it, so first of all, did you know that they wanted Stanley Kubrick to direct this movie? I did read that. Yes. So that gives you like the idea of what they were going for. And right. They get him. And it was made as a contrast to the popular John Hughes movies of the time, which are much more upbeat and i mean they're well they're not all upbeat maybe but you know realistic and everything but this is really dark satire mm-hmm. and some people don't get that and it it can be uncomfortable to watch i thought at times this movie and like you said people might say they're glorifying suicide but they're not it's making fun of all the right things it makes fun of homophobia too but 
sometimes that goes over people's heads. They don't get it or it's taken the wrong way. And it's just it is those are topics that are controversial to get into and make fun of. And so um, if you get it like you did, Pete, then you can love that. But um, yeah, yeah, that doesn't work for everybody. They don't like that kind of humor. And so it is a really, real, obviously dark movie. What it's really doing is that it's um, uh, mocking the hypocrisy of people when they, you know, they'll make fun of each other or they'll, you know, they're, they're bullies and everything. But then when somebody dies, and in this case it was suicide, then it's all about they become heroes. And they're right. like, what, look what great people they were and all of that kind of stuff. And, that, and that's done multiple times in the movie. And that's, that's really the baseline for the whole, uh, for the whole plot. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I absolutely love both Christian Slater and, uh, uh, Winona Ryder in this movie. Her performance was extraordinary. Uh, she was what, 15 years old when this movie was made. Uh, uh she would have been, she would have been probably 17 when it was made. It came out the year she yeah. turned 18. I think she was 15 in Beetlejuice. And yeah. then this was like two years back. later, a year later. Yep. Okay. One uh, one fact that I actually found was that at first she didn't get the role uh, because they said that she wasn't pretty enough for it. Yeah, uh, I saw that. In, in her own words, she said, "You have to you have to understand that I actually looked almost like my Beetlejuice character because she mm -hmm. was that goth character and everything." Yep. Then she <clears> went and, and had a made a makeover, and uh, eventually she got the part. Um, so I thought that was an interesting little uh, uh, little fun fact there. Uh, Speaking Heather, of parts, oh, did, you, did you have this? So Shannon Doherty, this is one of her first movies where people would see her. And she's always been considered difficult. But it's interesting yeah. in this because she was difficult in the fact that she did not want to swear. She was brought up so religious that really? she didn't really like the character. And she didn't want to swear and say some of the things that the character said. Yeah, and so that made it difficult for her. And then, and it, and they thought that she didn't really understand the character, and she didn't really get what they were going for, which actually ended up kind of working out, because it almost made her the way she played the character even better that way. So, yeah, she not what I would have considered for Shannon Doherty the reason to be difficult, because she seems like somebody that would cuss up a storm, but uh, apparently that's not the way she was at that time. The one line that she had that just stood out, that just hung in the air for me, was when the other girl is going to run to the bathroom, and then Shannon Doherty is like, she's going to cry. The way that she said it, it just hung there. And I was like thinking about it the, the next day. Uh, <laughs> it was just, a, it, it just stuck in my head, and I could not get out of it. The way that she, uh, the way she said it, it was perfectly done for what it was, but it just came across as totally snobbish and bitchy which is exactly what what she was going for there but it was just like the, the way she delivered it something about it i don't know i don't know but you guys remember that line i yes. actually do not really yeah it's when it's when heather runs it to the she's gonna take the pills correct she's in her cheerleading right. outfit and she's gonna take the pills and veronica runs after her and makes veronica her goes up. and chases her down and yep. she's in the classroom she's like in a front row the front desk in the classroom and that was like somebody said where is she going i think it was the teacher or whatever yep where is she going and then she goes she's going to cry <laughs> uh, speaking of casting fittingly heather graham was gonna she wanted to be the main heather she would have that would have been the role she would have had but her parents wouldn't let her be in this movie because okay. they did not 
they were not supportive of this movie and her being in it. So she would have been, or could have been, somebody else that was in it that you would have recognized. And her name is Heather. Yeah, that would have been right. Worked. Fittingly, that would have worked what, out great. That's what I meant. Uh, <laughs> what other? Yeah. What uh, what other famous actor auditioned for the role of JD, which was Christian Slater? Brad Pitt. That is correct. I can't imagine. I thought Slater was absolutely perfect for this role. Um, and they and he said in his own words, he was trying to go for a Jack Nicholson feel, which Slater say, does. He sounds just like the Joker. Do you remember yeah. when Christian Slater was going to be the next Jack Nicholson? Oh. Yeah, I mean that was, yeah. it, that's the thing, and but he did. I, I he intentionally tried to play it like him in this movie, but the, he was the comparisons were nonstop at that time because he kind of looked right. like him and he talked like him. Well, that was, was really one of the notes. This movie, one of the notes I made was he talks just like Jack's Joker from yeah. the Batman that came out the same year. Wait till they right. get a load of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, um, they decided that Slater made a better. He had a better look for a serial killer, which is perfect. Uh, Brad Pitt, they said, was just too nice. And he well, didn't have that sort of attitude and that sort of look or anything. So, And I guess I don't know what he had been in, but it seems like Christian Slater was a pretty known actor by this time, too. But Brad right. Pitt, not at all. So, but I mean, did he's Brad a Pitt play kind of a dark character in California? One well, of that was until, like, 1995. Oh, Brad that... Pitt's big first... Like on on scene with Thelma and Louise, Thelma right Louise, yes. in ninety one. Yep, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he would have been way too young for. I don't know. That's just my thought. So I just I mean nobody knew who he was when this movie was made. So sure. You'd well, nobody know who Doherty was either when this movie was made. No, but she wasn't the main star though either. That's, that's true. Not, that's not that's why true. she was in there. Right. Right. Good point. <laughs> Another little fact that I did come across is that, uh, and I can't call this a fun fact because this is sort of sad, actually. Kim okay. Walker, yeah, Kim Walker, who plays uh, Heather Chandler, uh, one of her famous lines early in the movie says, did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Yep. Well, uh, she did die of a brain tumor at age 32 in real life. So, 12 years later. Uh, interesting. She uh, didn't eat it for breakfast, though. I don't I remember when that happened, and I mean, I didn't. It was a very interesting to go back and find that fact again. Was that's really eerie. Here's a fun fact. So they go to Westerberg High, and so as I'm watching this, I'm like, "That's got to be named after Paul Westerberg from the Replacements." That's just too big of a coincidence in 1989. And right. I found that it was because Winona Ryder's favorite band was the Replacements, and so it became Westerberg High that they attended. Oh. Huh. That was fun. That is... I think that's what'd a you... great fact. <laughs> what'd you guys think of the, the pink kitchen? The pink who's oh is that the pink was that early Heather's... in the movie when oh. uh yeah, Christian Slater and uh Winona Ryder are going and they're figuring out how to kill the girl and what if they're just gonna make her uh make her drink something or what. Eventually they yeah, Slater does of course get the um what the the drain or whatever it was that they yep. eventually used, uh, but when they're having that whole conversation, that pink kitchen uh, just really stood out. I guess I can kind of picture it, but I didn't think anything oh, of it. Yeah. Probably just because I thought it was the eighties, yeah. right? That's kind of what I thought too. Speaking and, of the eighties, even though this movie 
is like making fun of homophobia, it's still uncomfortable to watch because the every 80s movie, aside from having nudity in it, they always use the other F word too. Right. Yeah. And they use it in here. And and it does get a little uncomfortable, even though you know that they're not like, you know, you know what they're going for, but it still just becomes a little uncomfortable and it just feels different watching it now. Because you don't right. even even if you you just don't see stuff like that anymore. It's become, so. yeah, it's become like the N-word. Um, but back then, it wasn't thought of quite in that same vein as it is now. But, no, it's uh, used right. in every movie back then. So I've watched all these movies with my son, who's in ninth grade, who is gay. And he do, it doesn't seem to bother him. But every time you watch something like this, I'm like, oh, boy, it's just it's kind of uncomfortable. And But, I don't know, he, he seems to think it's fine and understands it and deals with it, so... Well, if he does, to, then it's fine. To me, one of the super creepy parts of this movie is when they go to the college party and just the thought these college guys hitting on these high school girls is just, oh, makes my skin crawl. Well, and the, I mean, the girls are just expected to go, you know, and right. service them. And right. it's, yeah, it is creepy. Oh, yeah. Not, not a big fan of that. <laughs> but again, <laughs> kind of like. Uh, Bruce Wayne getting uh, Vicky Vale all liquored up and taking her to bed. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Previous so, episode. One one of the scenes that I I LOL'd in was at Kurt and Ram's funeral, how they have their football football the helmets. helmets on. That's like the best <laughs> scene. Just, yes. The helmets on their heads is so <laughs> what a visual. It's so perfect. <laughs> Oh, so funny. And and another little note that I wrote down was, of course, Kurt has a football phone. He, oh, when he? uh, oh, he's talking yeah. to Veronica, I believe, to when she calls to set up the rendezvous with Kurt and Ram. Well, and then you have the dad at the funeral, on. too, who you know would not be okay with it, finding out his son was gay. Yep. But now that they're dead, he's, you know, I'm proud of my dead gay son. Right. It's part of that whole hypocrisy that they're playing into. Exactly. It. Yeah. Oh, that's and that, what Winona Ryder mentioned. Everybody's okay with it now, but the next day, if somebody who's alive, I mean, they'll they'll make fun of them and they'll ruin their lives if they can. It's mm-hmm. so. Well, and the fact that mineral water is what puts it over the top is that you're gay. <laughs> right. So funny. <laughs> uh, and the cops find the mineral water and they just pick it out of the bag, and one looks at the other, and they just. They just know that's what it means if you're drinking mineral water. But that's funny because, again, so I brought up how this is the time when we bought our our convenience store. Clearly, Canadian was all the rage. Everybody drank it back then. That had nothing to do with sexuality. (laughs) Right. I I, I I love clearly Canadian. On on air, but I'm drinking a mineral water right now as we speak. (laughs) Yes, you are. And you look fabulous doing that. Was so, anybody else impressed with uh, the girls' croquet skills? Because they really have some sick croquet skills. Well, I was going to ask the question, why is croquet such a big part of this movie? Is there some kind of symbolism there that you think that I'm missing? I Is it just a random thing they included because it's such a big deal and it's so yeah. weird? Nobody the only thing I just, can think of... Like prestigious uh, or like something that rich people play I a suppose. lot. I suppose. Is that prim all it proper. is? It's something that, you know, rich people, prim and proper. It shows the dichotomy between the outward appearance and what they're, 
actually like on the inside. I don't know. He just dropped dichotomy in the middle of this podcast. Wow. That's right. And the episode before, what did corrected. we cover? We covered Roadhouse. That's right. <laughs> try, try to figure me out. It's a wide range. Because I, I get what you're saying, but like we all grew up playing croquet. It's just a regular yard game that anybody had and played. So I don't really associate it with like rich people, although I, I guess I can at the same time. So well, I didn't know if there was anything by... more to it that you might have caught on that I missed out on there. It, it was played by uh, 15th century uh, dukes and ladies. Uh, on the English countryside. Uh, hold on a second. Let me see if I've got more on this. Wow. He really oh, I don't. Does oh. his <laughs> <laughs> uh, you had talked about casting. So I was watching this and Dennis, uh, one of the one of the students, uh, we see him. It looks like they're putting together the um, p- uh, school paper. He's played by Phil Lewis. And he played another character in a show that I loved. Uh, he was Hooch in Scrubs, and as everybody knows, Hooch is crazy. I, thought you were I say, love Hooch. Scrubs, but I don't like, remember who right. Hooch is. I'm I'm sure I would the second I saw him, but <laughs> I just want to throw that in there. That was good. Another uh, question I had besides croquet, it was just so random. When she writes in her diary, she wears a monocle. Yeah, the whole monocle thing. A monocle? What's yeah, up with that? Yeah, she carries it with her at school, too. She had it at school. It's just, some of those things are just, like, a little odd. I mean, they're they're interesting and unique, and they kind of fit anyway, but you just don't really understand what they're going for, I guess. Maybe nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the parts I enjoyed was, so Winona Ryder, we said she was in Beetlejuice, but then did you, you obviously probably noticed Gifford, I'm sure, that Otho... Yes. Is in this movie, too. Yes, he's the preacher. Yep. Do you know who Otho is? Oh, yes. Yes, I do remember. I, I That was the, the one where I was watching the movie. I'm like, where have I seen him before? And now that was that was it. Because, so he yeah, was he, fun. Yeah. Yeah. So also in uh, Christian Slater's character, it's kind of complicated and hard to figure out what you're supposed to think of him. Because at first... I mean, he's like an anti-hero, right? Like, you kind of root for him, and you think, well, yeah, we get what he's doing. He's obviously not a very nice guy, but, you know, they're they're sick of the high school thing. But in the end, uh, to me anyway, he turns out to be just as bad as the jocks. I mean, he's way over the line. Oh, way, way There's worse. nothing purposeful in what he's doing. He's just a really bad guy. But my son, who watched this with me, did point out that even though he's very psychotic at the end, it's not all his fault because they, he was ruined by his parents. When you right. see the influence his parents had on him, that's what led him to be that way. And so he kind of defended him to a point that it wasn't that's all his fault. Says. That's interesting that he brought that up. Yeah, I was uh, impressed yeah. with that one. Well, it's, but, it's, but he does say that, that he, um, when he's down in the boiler room with, with Winona Ryder or Veronica, and uh, he they, he kind of explains that a little bit, like nobody ever loved me, or yeah. you know, he's, he mm-hmm. goes off on that little tangent. Right. Uh, so, did, uh, did anybody like the line where uh, Winona Ryder she's writing her diary right before she stages her uh, her suicide, um, talking about JD, where um, no one can stop him, not the FBI, the CIA, or the PTA. Yeah, yeah, I caught that. That was funny. Uh, um, 
the one the one other note little fun fact that i that i had here when um they're planning to go kill the football players or or she doesn't know that they're planning to kill the football players but that's what jd is doing he said he tells veronica that he's using the german uh, and i'm gonna butcher this but it's yep. like the itch luge bullets yep um if i pronounce that right um which oh, is yeah. German. and they don't kill it's, you i mean yeah right right he says they don't kill you; they'll scare the shit out of you, or whatever. But uh, but itch luge is German for "I'm lying." Oh. So if you knew your German, you would have picked up on that right away. I just happened to find that as a fun fact. I can't speak any German, but Danke Shane for bringing that to my attention, Pete. De nada. So the original. <laughs> <laughs> the original ending of this movie. Uh, had him actually blowing up the whole high school. Did you find that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did. And then, uh, and then, uh, did you find the next piece that or... there was a prom scene in heaven? Yes, that's what I was gonna. Yeah. Uh... So they had changed that. It wasn't. I mean, it's obviously dark, but um, the the visual of her all blown up and like with the with the cigarette in her mouth mm-hmm. at the end. That's a pretty great ending and probably a much better uh, decision. Well, the way the way that she. Like... She puts a cigarette in her mouth, and she knows what's coming, and uh, the explosion just lights her cigarette. <laughs> that was perfect. Well, she looks like Wiley e. Coyote. Yes. <laughs> just haggard, you know, from being a uh, bomb being blown up in her face. That's exactly what she looks like. It's a cartoon. Or, or when she burns herself with the cigarette lighter, and uh, JD bends over and lights his cigarette off her hand. He doesn't grab the cigarette lighter. He lights it off her burning hand. oh my god but and then it was a fitting end when she walks in looking all like that and then she grabs the red bow and and takes it oh yeah i love that i forgot that that she takes the bow she's the new lead and that's a really that's good uh one of the things that i had written down uh the scene where the cops find kurt and ram and the one cop picks up a gun with a twig as to not sully the evidence, and then immediately puts his hand on the grip of the gun. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why would you spend the time to pick it up with a stick? I just. <laughs> Man, I didn't pick up on that one. I gotta. I gotta watch it again. <laughs> oh. And this was uh, probably Winona Ryder's favorite movie that she's ever done, if not her favorite movie of all time. She says that she's watched it over 50 times. Really? Okay. She, she she loves it that much. And usually actors don't even ever watch their own movies. But oh, uh, so they say. So they say, right. But um I don't ever listen to this podcast either. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will not listen to this as soon as we get done. <laughs> right. <laughs> They'd be like, God, I wish I would have said this. So this director, <laughs> Michael Lehrman, they um they like I said, they wanted Stanley Kubrick. They were going for this big director. This was like his first movie. He had only done like one short before this. So um the fact that this is his first movie, I mean it's really impressive, I think, how well it's done and how many of these touches are in there. It's it's such a you know, a classic movie. He didn't go on to do a whole lot of big stuff after this. And it's a really eclectic mix of movies that he made. Well, and he not, also not many that were like this one. No, he did Hudson Hawk. He did Hudson Hawk, another great uh, Bruce Willis uh, a complete bomb. Yeah, 
He did we, Airheads, we've, we've touched he on did comedy. He did the truth about cats and dogs. I mean, he's just he covered the bases here with all kinds of different movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd just be I don't know. One, one thing I read about him is that I, I guess it's a commonplace culture thing where screenwriters will often, when they're teenagers, they work at or they did work at video stores like Blockbuster, and he, that's what that's what he was. Um, and he didn't even realize that that was a thing. Um, but it was a lot of screenwriters came out of that, which um, which is interesting because I just watched a couple of nights ago, the last blockbuster. Um, oh, I, ha- I just added that to my list. I'm I haven't on, seen that yet. Yeah. And, and that's that's a touch that's touched on a little bit where there's a few famous people like actors and screenwriters that got their start in blockbuster because they love movies so much. Hmm. And you have time to write your screenplay while you're, you know, waiting for people to rent movies. Well, or you just can watch any movie that you want and learn what you want and go from there. Anything else to touch on Heather's or move on to? I uh, have exhausted the notes that I took on this movie. I have as well. Well, yep. All right. We can move on to the top five TV. So, yeah, we talked a movie here. We hit three movies this year because we've mentioned the movies were so great and uh, vast. But we like to talk about TV, so we figured this would be the best place to fit that in. So mm-hmm. what do you guys remember about TV in 1989? Well, well the TV... Oh, uh, Heather, it's Heather's turn. <laughs> <laughs> this I, I was thinking about this is kind of like Heather's, but we should call this podcast Brian's. I was going to yes. say because you're well, Brad, you're like Brian. the Veronica of our group. I was going to say we should call it. We should call one. ourselves Giffords. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead, Giff. Well, what I like about researching the television from this time for me personally is I only have to look through what was playing on two different networks at the time, ABC and CBS, because that's all I got out on the farm. So I just went through and marked down all the television shows that were that I had watched and came up with this wonderful top five list. And I do only have five. Uh, so at number five, I have Perfect Strangers. I love me some Belky Bartakamus. Do you remember Gifford in middle school when you and I used to do the Meepopian Dance of Joy? Yes. Did that a couple of times. I always thought Erdman was a part of that. Was... Oh, no. Well, he, he might have been a, he might have been a, a fill-in. Okay. <laughs> but, yes. You know, it's easy to mix him and Pete up. Yeah, that's what I've heard. It's easy for Pete to mix... Erdman to mix him up. and Pete up. A lot of they, people used to think that we look alike. Yeah. You know, and so, they look like the Proclaimers. Yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at, at number four, I had Doogie Howser, MD. Uh, and oddly enough, I, I've just started re-watching How I Met Your Mother. and Ooh, there was I kind of want to do that. Oh, it, the first few uh, seasons are so good. I, haven't I know, I loved it. I watched that show home. from the get-go. Yeah. But that was one where you, I just hung on because I just wanted to see how it ended, like the last couple seasons. Uh, but anyway, at the end of the episode, right before he jumps, uh, Barney jumps into bed with a with a woman. He's sitting at his computer writing, and it has the Doogie Howser um, sound uh, music, 
like he did at the end of all the. He did a lot of good uh, like references like that on that show. I I like that show all the way to the ending. I mean, I'm glad it ended when it did. It it was time to be done, but I I really enjoyed it. Um, There were some episodes here and there that learned, but for the most part, that was one that really uh, did a great job all the way through. I thought. Well, we may have to cover that when the time comes. It could come up. Uh, Number three on my list: Growing Pains, the Seaver family. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, wonderful show. Uh, and that was beat out just slightly by my number two, Who's the Boss? Because Alyssa Milano was my first celebrity crush. So oh, really? I know my, number mine was Mona. My celebrity Yours was crush Mona. Was I don't doubt that. <laughs> and number one, The Wonder Years. I knew it. Love the Wonder Years. It was well, this is like this is the year it started, or was it eighty eight? It was eighty eight, so it would have been end of first season. Yeah, so really, it's right at the beginning. Yep. So that that Uh, was my. We were were in seventh grade when that show started. We were the same age as those kids. That that took us by storm. It was so amazing. Yeah, it was just set twenty years before, but the characters were in the exact grades as we were. Yeah. To think that if you made that movie now, it'd be set in two thousand. Oh my God, that is so weird. Yeah, because that's it was like a whole different time. Oh God, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> so that was my that was my top five TV. Yep, that's stuff. heavy on the old ABC there. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> didn't have to go far. There's actually a couple. I'm surprised you didn't name um, head of the class. I have it on my list of what I oh, watched. Yes. It didn't take my top make my top five. You did say who's the boss. Okay. And actually, a lot of my other side ones are from NBC. So that, it, yeah, almost all of them are actually. Yeah, right. Oh, Mr. Belvedere, though. You missed that one. No, I have oh. it on my list of what I watched, but I didn't put it in my top five. Although if I think you'd like, this... I'd lo- I would love to go through all the shows that I wrote down, but I figured I think I by this time, Mr. Belvedere was kind of finally running its course for me because it started in like 85, actually. And I, I loved that show as a kid. That was yep. a great show. How come that I don't show think it was, was a great show? Like, but... <laughs> I Bob thought it Uecker, was though, I being, remember I mean, it being good. Bob Euchre's the man. All right. All right. What? Um, you want to go next, Pete, or you want to finish it? Yeah, I can, uh, I can go with mine. Yeah. Um, I got Cosby Show, which I do not condone any of the actions of the main <laughs> actor. So I just enjoyed the show at the time. So I don't want people all over social media about. Never mind. Um, and that's the I, one that, and we brought it up on our lost episode. But the Cosby Show for me, this is the year where like it it's done. Like it was the best show ever for the first like four to five seasons, and yeah. this is the year where I'm not. It's not even on my list because it just got bad quick, and I gave up on it. I probably was still watching it sometimes, but it, I just, it was not good. I had, uh, then I had Cheers, um, The Wonder Years, Who's the Boss, uh, Growing Pains, and The Simpsons. This was right when Simpsons was oh, starting, yep. to, starting yep. to become a thing, right? Um, yep. Another one that I, that I came across as I was researching for the show, do you guys remember the show Dear John? Oh, yeah, I love that show. Oh. I thought it was Judd Hirsch. And yeah, I remember that I loved the show. I don't remember very many details of it, but I well, it, but I it basically took the place of Night Court when they started moving shows around and broke up the Thursday night lineup. That was one, and that's one of the few that actually lasted a couple seasons and and was a decent hit anyway. Yeah, yeah, yep. Uh, I watched that show, 
He was like a, a psychiatrist, right? Wasn't he? I think he was a psychiatrist that his wife had left him. Yeah, that sounds so right. He's trying to pick up his own life and everything. Oh. That's that's why it was called Dear John. And who was there? Wasn't there? Or am I thinking? Of, I was thinking there was a side character in there that was like a kind of a one of those funny guys that we liked. Am I right on that? Or, I'm thinking of Jim J. Bullock, but it wasn't him. That was uh, too close for comfort. I know. Different year, but another great show. We'll we'll talk about it in another episode. Oh well, no. Okay, the guy I was picturing was Jerry Burns. Do you remember him? Not the Vikings coach. The Vikings coach. No. That would have been that would have been something. <laughs> right. That would have to been on HBO. You'd recognize him <laughs> if you're not sure him by name, but that's who I was thinking of. Jerry Burns was like the supporting character. It's huh? not television. It's Jerry Burns swearing at you. <laughs> that's what that would be. <laughs> All right. Um, that covers everything I wanted to say, so we can turn it back over to Brad. Okay. So, you know, I've got my list here of shows I watch. So you mentioned The Simpsons started that year. It was actually, I wrote, it was December 17th is when the um, the Christmas episode first aired, which was the original episode. So just barely snuck in that year. That was the first they got, episode? Yeah, the, the one wow. where they get the dog. Mm-hmm. That's a little helper. That's why they... Named but then that. I'm surprised you didn't mention, Pete, this is also the year that the Seinfeld pilot aired, too. You yep. know, I... Aired I, in the summer of 89, this one I, episode aired by itself. I came across that one. Um, I don't remember specifically if I actually got into Seinfeld in that in that time frame, though. So No, you didn't, yeah. because that was the only episode that aired and none of us saw no, it. No, you didn't. Right. <laughs> that, and that's why, that's why I guess I didn't write it down. So. No, it's not on my top. I just thought we should mention that this is the year it started, because yeah. you, a lot of people don't remember it being that long ago. Right. Uh, so, so I mentioned Who's the Boss, Mr. Belvedere, Growing Pains, Head of the Class, you said, Wonder Years. But here are the NBC shows that I listed. So you said Dear John, but nobody said Family Ties. This is the year that that ended, was 89. Oh. Um, I bet you watched a lot of these shows, Pete. Day by Day, did you watch that show? No. It actually had Julia Louis-Dreyfus in it. Really? And, um, I don't um, remember that show well, at all. From uh, Melrose Place, the blonde. Um, what was her name? She was in that show, too. They were like two of the main characters in that show. Courtney Thorne-Smith? That's it. Yep. It's she like, like I read baby. your mind. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, a Different World. Yeah, that, I guess that, I did put the Cosby Show on my on my side list here. Night Court was still on. Um, the Hogan Family. After oh, Valerie had left, Valerie, so Valerie, Valerie's family. Now it's the Hogan Family. That was Sandy Duncan, right? Yep, Sandy Duncan, Jason Bateman. Here's one you didn't say that I know you liked. My two dads. Yes. 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 There Paul Reiser, Greg Evagon. Yep, and Dick Butkus. Uh, what was her name? The girl. I don't remember. But uh, I used to have Stacey, a big crush Stacey on it. Keach? Stacey Keach played Mike Hammer and was a guy. Yeah, I was <laughs> going to say, Stacey Keach is a man. Fun, it's a it's man, fun. man. <clears throat> um, so my top five, I'm going to tell you who the girl from My Two Dads was here in just one second. Um, my top five was Saturday Night Live. Wow. Because this is like the year where I pretty much uh, discovered it and started watching it. Stacy Keenan. Oh. Okay. No, sir, we do not pronounce or spell our last names the same. 
It so would have been a Saturday, very interesting Saturday Night Live was, this is like, you know, church chat. Actually, I think the first Wayne's World aired in like 1989, too. Exactly. This is like, this is the year where like Mike Myers started and you've got Dana Carvey. So I had to include that. Number four, nobody mentioned Alf. Oh, yes. You know, Alf. I didn't get that channel. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was a big fan of Alf. That was a fun one. It's Sorry, a pretty stupid woman, show. Uh, and the dad was, I always thought, the worst actor of all time. And you never really understood why he was so bad if he was trying to do something. But I think he was just a weird actor. And I don't know. Max, you're referring to Max Wright. Yep, Max. And um, um, the, the, the lady that played Jerry Seinfeld's mom was a regular on ALF as well. She played the next door neighbor. And she was on basically every episode. She was a cast member. Oh, yeah, that's right. I know. Who, yep, you're right. Mrs. Um, oh, God, I can think of their names, too. Dang it. All right, I'm going to move on, though. Look that one up. I'm on it. Uh, number three, here's another one that, Gifford, you had this channel, and I'm surprised nobody mentioned, Newhart. Yeah, I didn't really watch. I mean, I have it on my list of things I watched, but it wasn't in my top. Well, I love Newhart, and it actually, so 8990 was the last year. I almost picked Newhart for our podcast for 89 because I Mm -hmm. thought that was the final episode because that's one of the all-time classic final episodes that everybody talks about. But it actually aired in 90. I thought it ended in 89, but it was 8990. So I put it at number three, and we'll have to discuss the finale uh, in 1990. Newhart was probably the perfect sitcom. It was up. It was up there. It was great. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! That was it's hilarious. funny because we loved it as kids, but you know, yeah, it's not yeah. kid friendly. But it was written in a way that, like, we could watch. You know, you had Larry, Daryl, and Daryl, and we right. could laugh at it and watch it, even though it was it was something we could all watch as a family. My mom and right. dad loved it. We all watched it. Well, I used to love, not to get off on a tangent, but uh, Tom Poston, that was his name? Oh, yeah, he I was, love George. He was, Yeah, that was, okay, yeah, George on that show. Oh, I guess my God, he was good. The difference with Newhart is it's a family-type show that you could all watch, but there were no kids. It's not like Growing Pains or The Cobb. Right. There's no kids. Right, right. So that's what right. I meant by, you know, it's all adults, but still the humor was very relatable to a kid yeah. like me. Uh, number two, I had The Wonder Years because, yep, we already said that was huge. And uh, number one was Cheers. Mm-hmm. Because this is like, I mean, this is Cheers at one of its peaks. And by this time, I'm old enough to like total, I'm watching Cheers every week. And that's just can't miss television right there. So, so that was a really good top five. I love those shows. Rachel Okmonic. 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 That was it. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. You're welcome. All right. Does that wrap it up? That's going to end this year, man. If so, we will close the yearbook on 1989. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, We're going to play a little Preacher Row for you. Thanks for listening. We will see you next next year. Bye. I forgot. My daughter said I shouldn't say bye because she overheard me. I should say peace out is what she told me. So peace out. Bye.
Yeah.